church, church, you glad you're here? Okay. If you missed last weekend, see, see I, know, I know there's a thing that, that we don't always go every week and things like that's fine, but, but if you missed it, I, I really think you ought to get caught up. You can go online and watch or listen to the sermons and, and get all caught up. And also, if you don't have a book, uh, we're not trying to make money on anybody. In fact, if you go online and buy this, it'll cost you over 20 bucks. Uh, if you buy it here, it'll cost you 10 bucks. Uh, if you've ever done Dave Ramsey or Joe Sengel, that's a good deal that will help you. Some of you are like, okay. So uh, we, I, over 500 of these books uh, people have bought. And, oh, see, some of you are like, he said book. I hear nothing after that. There's pictures. There's pictures. You're not as ex- I love pictures. Hey, so we're, we're going to launch into week two. So let me welcome the fellas at RCMU, our prison campus. Guys, I'm glad that you're here. This is awesome. As a whole church collectively, we are going through this, this series freeway at the prison, at this location. And we have set on our minds that we're not okay being in bondage or in slavery to things that we shouldn't be. And so there are things that, that, that really hold on to you during the day. Emotional things that, that you just can't let go. You, you, some of us even like bought into the idea that we can't let go. You're like, well, I'm always going to worry. Or I'm always going to hate them. Or I'm always going to be upset. I'm always going to be angry. That's not true. You can be free. You can live life where life doesn't have to tell you how to live. It doesn't have to dominate you and say, here's what you're going to think. Now you're going to process. But you've got to listen up. I'm going to share things from the Bible that are extremely freeing. But do not mistake anything if you're brand new. I can't change you or free you up. We believe that it's only God that has the power to do that. However, you and I can mess up the process. Uh, At least I've got lots of personal stories. I'll share a couple uh, that will mess up the process. But let me tell you a little bit about the history of the church and at least recently to help you understand where we're going with this message. Uh, Many of us have had God change our lives in this church. Over the past, oh, five to six years, Literally thousands of people have had God literally wreck their life in a good way and get a hold of us. Recently, we did a baptism service. Just on a weekend, we're like, who wants to get baptized? 158 people got baptized on one weekend. That's awesome. Now, we had, oh yeah, okay, we can do that. That's awesome. We should celebrate that. Recently, many of you know this too, we, we, didn't, we didn't worship here and, and have a great time here on Easter. We went to the Civic Center and 6,400 plus people gathered and over 400 people had this God moment where they gave their lives to him for the first time ever or some they, had done, they did it a while ago and if you're you know, like you and I, like, I need to do it again because... The gap time's been bad. <laughs> and, and they literally rededicated is the terminology we use. Literally, this God moment. And we've had thousands upon thousands of people have what we call these God moments where they recognize that life without God is unnatural. And, and so, here's, this can be sound like a, a downer, so, sorry. We have these incredible, epic God moments. These, yay! And then Monday happens. 
where you gave your life to God, you, you, you believe that Jesus loves you and, and that God made you and has the best for you, and then the next day, something bad happened. Uh, we call it tough happened. And, and a lot of times things are going great, and then the next day comes, or even the next moment comes, and tough happens, and it's why I, I, I've got real stories, listen, of people who have given their life to Jesus, surrendered. It's been an awesome moment. And Monday they found out that their marriage was dissolving. And, and if you're a normal human being, you look up, right? And say, God, like I thought you were in control. And this is a real moment. This is a real life moment. We don't talk a lot about this in church. Or there's been folks, I, I know these real stories, who they, they literally decide we're going we're gonna to start honoring God with our money. And so they, they, they write that first check or they give online to the church and their car breaks down. And well, they hate me and God at the same time. Those are real moments. Those are real moments that, that we're, we're not going to avoid. Because here's the reality is when tough happens to you, whether it's a relationship that goes south and you're going, what? What's happening? I'm loving God. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Why isn't this ship going in the right direction on still waters? Why is this not playing out the way I want? It's why some of us wonder if God is a good God because you've equated God to being a guy who the people that he likes, he makes sure they never have a problem. So that's why many of us wrestle with who God is because there's people that hurt. There's people in pain. There's people who have problems. And many of us have decided to love God and agree that he is the one and only. But then stuff unfolds and you and I have a default, a default reaction to tough. It's basically to avoid it. And we begin to look at things that aren't true about the situation. Now, there's a story in your Bible, very quick story. It's at the very beginning of your Bible. So if you are one, you brought your Bible you're being like a good church person. You brought your Bible. It's on your phone, by the way, but uh, you brought your Bible. It's at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read to you a story that you are so familiar with. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard what I'm about to read to you. Adam and Eve are the characters. Uh, what has just occurred is that they ate fruit from a tree, the one and only tree that God said, hey, that one tree, don't eat from it. And just like every two-year-old that you tell don't do that, they're like, that must be what you want me to actually do. And they, we go do that, right? That's human nature almost. We'll go all the way back to the very beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 3. It unfolds this story. I want you to see something, a default reaction to tough, especially the tough that you and I create. Not that it happens to us, the tough that you and I create. Watch this, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. And its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she looked, she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. One important thing to just realize, it's why when you do something that you're not supposed to do, it's why shame's there quick. Just there. You don't, you don't have to say, hey, I need to figure out how to, how to welcome shame into my life. It's a natural thing. That when you sin, when you do something that does not honor God, when you break one of the rules, love God, love others, 
That's why as soon as you do it, there's some shame that begins to creep in. It shows you right at the beginning of the Bible. Felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Watch this. Look how they reacted to the tuft that they created. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. They hid from him. It's interesting. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I mean, it's God. He, he knew. It was redundant. But um, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. You notice he doesn't confess. He doesn't say, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to spill the beans. Here, here's what happened. No, no, he doesn't do that. Their immediate reaction to tough that they created, a problem they created, was they dodged the truth. And, and that's one of our default things that we do. That is when something happens and, and you caused it and, and you're no longer free from it, it's now locked onto you. You and I have a tendency to dodge the truth about the situation. We avoid or deflect. Or sometimes we just deny, say, that didn't really happen. Or that's not a big enough deal. Or I've heard of worse. Or times have changed, right? And we begin to dodge the truth of the moment. We begin to minimize what actually occurred because it makes you and I feel a bit better. Now, I've got some help to help me explain what dodging the truth looks like. Jimmy Kimmel. Do you know Jimmy Kimmel? Some of you are like, wait a minute, I've heard the name. Late night talk show host. If you didn't know this about him, he is a lie detective. I know, you're like, what in the world? You just got to see this. He is a proven lie detective that helps people discover the truth. And so for your viewing pleasure, let's watch him in action as he detects the truth and he detects lies. Take a look. A lot of children, you know, a lot of kids want to be NBA players when they grow up. But let's not kid ourselves. That probably isn't going to happen for most of them. It's important to be honest with kids. But it's even more important that they are honest with us. And that is where Jimmy Kimmel, lie detective, goes to work. Hi there, how you doing? Nice to meet you. That's the truth fairy. Go ahead and have a seat right there. How are you? Good. You having a fun day? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, Officer Jimmy. It's very nice to meet you. Have you ever met a police officer before? Yeah. Have you ever taken a lie detector test before? You have. Okay, good, then you're gonna be old, an old hand at this. So um, the Truth Fairy's gonna go ahead and put these things on your fingers. He's gonna hook you up. Now we're gonna put this uh, helmet on you. Have you ever worn a helmet before? Like Iron Man, right? Yeah. And I'm gonna ask you some questions and all you have to do is tell me the truth, okay? Yeah. Do you know what the truth is? Yeah. Okay, perfect then. What is your name? Aaron. Aaron, how old are you? Four. Do you go to school? Yeah. Okay. Do you like school? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have a girlfriend? Yeah. Ooh, what is her name? Mia. Mia. How old is Mia? Um, she's 4'2". She's 4'2"? Have you ever kissed Mia? Yeah. You have. Did you kiss her on the lips? Okay. <laughs> um, do you think you might marry Mia? You do. Is Mia a monkey? She's a girl. She's a girl. A human girl? Okay. Have you ever been to space? 
Okay, I'm gonna ask that again. Have you ever been into space? Yeah. Okay, the machine is saying no. When did you go to space? Um, for five days. For five days? And where did you go, to the moon? Yeah. Uh-huh, and did you have fun on the moon? Yeah. What kind of things did you do on the moon? Um, play there. Well, that's very interesting. Uh, will you go to the moon again soon? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have any pets at home? Yeah, I do. What do you have? A sheep and a hippo. You have a sheep and a hippo? Something went crazy here. Is this a real hippo? Yeah. Is this a stuffed hippo? Uh, no, it's pretend. It's a pretend hippo. Okay. Do you ever pick your nose? No. Yes, I did. You did. Sometimes, right? Yes. And then do you ever eat it? No. Yes, I did. Yes, you did. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Eric. I appreciate your time. The Truth Fairy is going to unhook you now and take the helmet off you. We'll see you on the moon, okay? Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, what's funny is is this doesn't really change. I mean, if you and I had a lie detector test, well, most of us would refuse it. But when stuff happens in your life, tough happens, and, and you're the guilty party, and you get asked what's really going on in your life, you and I have a tendency to dodge the truth of what's going on. That's why so many of us don't live in freedom, because there's truth that needs to be dealt with, and you and I are avoiding it, dancing around it. And we're just not messing with it because we think it'll be too painful to deal with or that we don't have the skill set to deal with it or the time or the support. I want you to be very open with you right now. If you want to be free, you're going to have to be honest about you. And I know for some of us, we immediately take ourselves out of the freeway conversation because we don't want to be honest. Now, here's what I also know about real life. This is not spooky life, but here's the reality of life. There is truth in life, but there also is evil. There's the devil. The devil is given a nickname in the Bible as the great deceiver. In other words, the devil is most notorious for the lies that he tells. That's how he got Adam and Eve to do something they're not supposed to, is he lied to them. He led them with deceptive questions. And right now, those of you who are listening, many of you are buying lies that he's giving you so that you don't deal with truth. In fact, he's given you the opposite. I've, I made a list. I want you to hear these. Some of you right now are saying this or owning this truth or lie. It's not that bad. I wouldn't call it an addiction. And some of you and some of us listening are addicted, but we refuse to acknowledge it. It's not a big deal. My family can take care of themselves without me. The lie of the devil will press in on you. Uh, uh, he'll tell you just to cover your tracks. If you just cover your tracks, move on, you won't repeat it, it's not gonna be a big deal, it'll go away. It's your right to seek revenge. Maybe one of the bigger ones, God doesn't care about you. 
See, these are lies that we get told all the time. And let me, let me help open up the, the conversation. Because there are many of us who wonder if we're the only ones hearing these lies. Are we the only ones being told that God doesn't like us? Are we the only ones being tempted to take revenge? Are we the only ones dealing with this mess? No. Uh, here's the open conversation. Every single one of us gets lied to every single day by the devil. Every single day. Now, sometimes he makes it extremely personal. Extremely personal. Here's a list. You're dumb, you're a pervert, you're a liar, you're ugly, you're stuck, you're just a junkie, you're alone, you're unworthy, you're a loser. God doesn't want you. And many of us, all day long, have this constant barrage of lies going on in our head. You think people are out to get you. You're like, but I got, I got illustrations and stories to prove it. Yeah, but... The devil exasperates and twists, and you and I have these lies we've bought. And you will not get free unless you figure out what true is. Now, here's, here's one of our default reactions to not looking at truth and dealing with truth. And I can evidence this. You and I will pretend. It's why you've got a friend. Hey, how's everything going in, in life? And they always tell you, it's absolutely great. But you're like, but, but your marriage just ended. How is it great? See, maybe it's pretend. If you want to find the world of pretend, I know where it is. It's make-believe. It's like never, never land, but worse. It's called social media. Now, now, now by the way, I'm not trashing social media. I think if leveraged correctly, it can do a lot of good. If not leveraged correctly, it can do a lot of damage. And that's why many of us don't go on Facebook or Instagram to just post something very honest about our lives. We go there to compare. And that's why some of you are addicted to it because you're addicted to comparison. It's a world of pretend. If you think that someone's life is adequately and appropriately and fully communicated on Facebook, you've bought a lie. <laughs> Because we don't go on Facebook and be like, man, I had a horrible day. You got to look at this horrible picture I took of myself. I'm going to post that horrible picture I took of myself. I'm going to talk about what my husband just said to me and how my kids are getting horrible grades. I got to post this. No one does that. And oftentimes on the internet, we put pretend world up. I just read an article. You, I want to hear you. I want you to hear this. Kelsey Sundstrom, the world of psychology. Just listen, just listen up to this. In America today, depression is the leading cause of disability in the 15 to 44-year-old range. Now, they think they know why. One factor for the high rates of depression seen in social media-friendly people is the inconsistency they observe between their ideal cyber self and their self-image. The desire to be seen positively has taught us to silence our troubles and we now have no idea how to express inner turmoil without feeling like we're accepting social defeat. This is what's being taught. Now watch this, one last part. For obvious reasons, people do not advertise their negative traits on their social profiles, nor do they pose unflattering pictures. Because of the strict control of the way we are viewed, we are often fooled into believing other people's lies are much better than our own. Other people's lives are much better than our own. Have you thought that recently? 
that everyone else's life seems to be better than your life. That's what the devil will tell you nonstop because he doesn't want you to be free. He doesn't want you to live in life where you're in bondage. I mean, the devil wants you to be in bondage and wants you to be so caught up in, in other people's lives and consumed by what's going on or, or maybe what's not going on. He doesn't want you to be free. And in fact, can I tell you a secret? It's not really a secret. It's well known, but you got to own it and think about it. The devil wants you living someone else's life or at least trying to live someone else's life. Because if you try to live someone else's life, if you try to compare yourself and be them, be like them, be as good as them, whatever them is, if he's got you doing that, then you're not living the life that God intended for you. It's one of the great deceptions that many of us right now, we compare every single day and we pretend to be that and there's truth in our lives not dealt with. I say we get freed up. Let's stop buying all this junk and, and let's, let's live lives, honest lives. We're no more pretending. In fact, if I gave everyone permission, if you felt safe enough, and I say, hey, everybody, let's go out and start being free, many of you would reject it because you don't think it's safe. You think, we're going to tear me apart at school if I'm really me. Many people think, if I'm really me at church, they're going to tear me apart. In this book, the Freeway book, Page 80, it says this, true spiritual growth means asking the tough questions and going forward into darkness armed with a dozen flashlights of truth. And these are like LED flashlights, like the overly bright ones. You've got to look at the truth. You've got to look at what's really going on in your life. So, critical question to ask. God, what's true about me? God, what's true about me? Now also, in this book, there's more questions for you to process through to discover that. Let, let me list them for you. Uh, who am I really? What are my weaknesses? Who do I let tell me who I am? What do I dwell on? What has me stuck? How receptive am I to change? God, What's true about me? Now, now, here's what I know, is you've asked this question, but not of God. Most of us don't wake up in the morning and say, God, what's true about me? Really reveal it. We go ask the people that we know will be nice to us, right? That's why I always ask my wife, like, who is your favorite husband you've ever had? <laughs> Every time she says to me, I love it. I ask my kids, who's your favorite dad? You ever, these, these, I just go through, and if you... If you want nice answers, you're going to ask the nice people. You're not going to be like, man, I really want to know what I'm really about, what I'm really like, what, who I really am. So I'm going to go ask somebody that I, I know hates me. No, you're not going to go do that. Most of us are avoiding who we really are, avoiding the question, God, what's true about me? Because you know you're going to get an honest answer. And right now, some of you are relying on your girlfriend to communicate who you are or your boyfriend or your work or your kids. And if your kids could achieve what you didn't achieve, then that's who you can be. Listen, the only person that will be so brutally honest and know your heart perfectly is God. However, most of us rarely ask God, what's true about me? What's true about me? It's a powerful question. If you want to be free. Now, I want to tell you something that's true about you. 
I wanted to end on this moment where you and I can process very simply something that's very profound, very true about you. I don't want you just going aimlessly. Listen, there is something the Bible states that's so true about you and so critical in you asking and answering these questions. So, so here's, here's where it is. It's in Romans chapter 8. You don't have to look it up. I'll just read it to you. But Romans chapter 8. What's true about you? God is for you. Listen to this. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If you've never memorized a verse in the Bible, there you go. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. Don't miss this. Pleading for us. Let me remind you or tell you for the first time ever. You are being pleaded for in the most important, powerful part of the entire known universe. God is for you. And some of us have chosen not to accept that because you have a problem. And it's a bad problem. Something happened to you. Maybe you did it yourself. And because you've got problems and bad, you're wondering if God's for you. I get to tell you today, God's for you. No matter what circumstances you're wading through, and you may wonder, am I going to get a breath? Am I going to get freedom from this? Let me just explain something very clearly. The Bible states this as clearly as possible. God is for you. He's not against you. I know it feels like it at times, but he's not against you. The devil's against you. But God is for you. Now, now watch this. Uh, what's true about you, God is for you because God loves you. It, it re, you just read on verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. In another version, it says you and I are more than conquerors. All the guys are like, I like that one. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, and it just lists incredible things. Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears. Some of you needed to hear that. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, some, some of us, we're not free. And the only reason we're not free is because we're not dealing with the truth in our lives. The Bible's saying, hey, you can deal with it, and, and God's willing to work with you, but not as the only willing. He's for you. He wants you to give victory. 
but we let our history, our past, sometimes even our present, sometimes even the fear of the future, stop us from dealing with what's true, and we begin to get off track. Uh, brief story. I had a season in my life, many of you know about this. I was a youth pastor in Kansas. I was dating who eventually became my bride, Katie. But we were dating. We put the cart before the horse, and you understand what I'm saying. And we found out that we had a, a baby on the way, but we weren't married. Now, some of you had that happen to you, but you weren't pastors. When you're a pastor, it's a whole other set of consequences so I had to turn over my credentials. I couldn't be a pastor anymore. That's just the way it works. You may not like that, but that's the way it works. I literally slid my credentials that proved I had done the right education and been ordained and all that kind of stuff that allowed that to happen, and I pushed it over. Couldn't be a pastor anymore. And about a year into the process of trying to figure out if I could be a pastor, I had a moment. I got offered a job, a sales job. It would have allowed me to have a career that I would have made more money than I ever could have dreamt of ever making. It would have set my family up, my kids up, my grandchildren up. It would have been good. I knew God wanted me to be a pastor, so we would call churches and interview with churches, and I would tell them my story, and they would very politely say, we'll call you back. They didn't mean it. Because when I tell them what I just told you, that usually signs you out. You're done. You're not an option. You're the black sheep. See you later. And my history began to lead me to be contemplative, at least, about doing something else. And so I had kind of resolved in my mind that I was going to take the sales job, and I was trying to figure out how to tell Katie that. So I eventually told her, I was like, hey, I, I, I want to interview for this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And she was nice, and she said, well, let's pray about it. And, and I basically resolved, I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to stop being that, that, that hope, that dream, that aspiration. I, I, I'm not going to do that. And so I, I resolved basically to do that. I got a phone call that night. Not, not from a church, not from, not from who you think. It was a guy that I knew previously a couple years. We weren't super tight, weren't the best of friends, but he knew the whole situation of what I had walked through. I was surprised, in fact, just so you know how well we knew each other, that he would have had my cell phone number. And he called. Now, at the time, in his life, he had a lot going on. He called, he's like, David, I, I just was supposed to call you. I'm like, great. Maybe this is the return of you're going to tell us how bad we are and this is just going to culminate. Some of you let your past tell you that. And he says, I was just supposed to call you. I, I really just, this seems weird, David. And he began to apologize for about five minutes for calling because it seemed really weird. He said, I just got to tell you something. I feel like God wants me to tell you this. I said, well, what are you, what are you supposed to tell me? So I'm supposed to tell you, I don't even know what it's about. Don't quit. I mean, I don't know how to get around that moment. <laughs> Some of you wish you got that phone call. Some of you are like, well, why don't I get a phone call? Right? You just got one. You just got one. Don't quit. God's for you. He loves you. He orchestrated the biggest rescue ever known to mankind. And you're going to have to get honest if you're going to get free, though, right? 
See, you just got the phone call, but that doesn't mean, oh, great, now life's easy. He's going to carry me. No, 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 no. You got to get honest, and you got to stop pretending. Whatever's going on that you've blocked away and conveyed something different, you've got to get honest. So I'm going to repeat these questions. I'm going to be redundant. (laughs) Are you willing to get honest about you? So here's the questions. Who am I really? What are my weaknesses? What do I dwell on that I shouldn't? What has me stuck? How receptive am I to change? And then perhaps one of the most significant ones, I think, is who are you letting tell you who you are? If it's anybody other than God, you might be buying a lie. These questions, if you'll ask them of yourself, not of the person sitting next to you. See, some of you right now are going, I sure hope he heard. Be careful. Let God press into you. And trust God to press into other people. If you want to be free, you have to get honest. Stop pretending.